Welcome to my basement, everybody. Hey, Hello, Scott Jones. How you doing, Victor Lucas? I am good, How man. How you feeling? I'm feeling really good. What's new and different? Give me some news. Uh, let's see. Well, the uh, Microsoft announcement. You're all excited about that. Yeah, Microsoft just is kind of uh, doing a little uh, soft shoe backpedaling. and uh, respond While well, they're responding to criticism. Pussies. I don't think so. I think they're, they're, uh, there's a lot of uh, hey consternation. Hey, guys, don't forget about us. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, this is a, a fluid you know thing what? we're talking about here. Constant meetings 24 hours a day phil spencer has been drinking pots of coffee it's just like what should we do well, guys i mean shit you got to look at the wii u you have to look at every damn thing man like this technology is confusing and you have to express Stop making it. excuses for these no, fucking people i'm Who not cares? making i'm making an observation this technology is confusing it's confusing and you, and you have to explain it you have to sell consumers. it to people that's all we care about is the consumers right i don't care about the well i mean so microsoft comes out they they put down a whole bunch of rules and regulations and all, then all, tactics. and then all, all Sony has to do is say, we're not doing that. Yeah. We're a hundred dollars cheaper. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so of course they have to respond, you know, yeah. of course they have to. And I, you know, like this is not a big surprise. We knew that this was going to happen. Who knew it was going to, I can't believe, I can't, you know what? I have less respect for Microsoft after doing that. I wish they'd stuck with their guns oh, come and on. said, There's fuck no... it, we're going to deliver an amazing machine. That's going to be so good. You're not even going to give a shit about that, these that things. That is not, that is not the, the current state of technology. Apple has gone out and apologized for their map software. Don't I mean, apologize. People go Just out and they, better. and they try something and they, uh, you know, sometimes they don't always succeed with this stuff. These and people, and they focus too, we want everyone to like us. Ooh, God forbid no one likes us. Well, they, they're getting they're getting uh, their pre-order data right now. You know, and if Sony is is crushing them in pre-orders, they, then they're going to make some changes. Not. They just they want to be liked. Don't forget about us. They want to sell billions and billions and billions of these machines. They just want to make money. They want to take money from our. If we want to be really cynical about it's, it. They want it, They want money. Of course, they want they're businesses. Money. Of course, they want they want money, and they don't want Apple to get all the money, and they don't want Sony to get all the money. Of course, they're so they're, Microsoft has backpedaled. That's on our minds. What else is on your mind? Uh, well, I've seen the Man of Steel twice, but we're going to talk about that in a separate. Uh, yeah, this is our fiftieth podcast. I know this is awesome. Fifty-five zero. 50. I cannot believe we've done fifty of these. I remember when we used to do these. No, we didn't even have a basement back then. Yeah. We had like a fort in the woods that we used to do. <laughs> well, remember the old from. tree house? Yeah, we had the tree house before well, that. Well, had a mixed tree house. Yeah, and you had the tree, you had the tree house uh, in next door to me, and we used to have two tin cans and a wire. And, we'd and then talk I would to come other. over to yours, and if you yeah. didn't agree with what I was saying, you would make me sit out on the tree limb. Yes, I would. And then you would like, yeah. you sit out there for the rest <laughs> of today's show. So this is five, zero, five, yes. 50, 50 shows. I cannot believe we've done 50 of these shows. Most of them have been mediocre. Yeah, most of them not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're we're fine with that. Uh, Most no, of listen, them have been excellent. I've Come been uh, playing been uh, some old classic Zelda on the 3DS. I've been playing uh, for more Metroid. Yep, I've been this playing. is all part of your job. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's uh, after E3, you just kind of decompress a little bit, right? You you go back to non-video game things. I'll and tell you what I'm doing. You look at old classic games uh, as well. I what am are you watching doing? the entire run of Cheers on Netflix. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what's, what's happened to you? Are you going through a midlife crisis right now? We've I want to go where everybody knows my name. We've seen Cheers. Nope. I saw it when I was What's next on your on your uh, Netflix PVR? Friends? Uh, no. Are you going to watch I, all of the I'm Friends gonna, episodes? What, what was that show with Ed Asner? Lou Mary Grant. Tyler Moore? Lou Grant. You're going to watch Lou Grant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How's Cheers? How's Cheers in retrospect? I'm waiting for Sam and Diane to kiss. Kiss already. <laughs> I know you're going to kiss. Welcome to a podcast from 1984. No, come on, man. You like, you like what you like. No, come on. I, I, honestly. Like, you're the future guy. I'm the past guy. The honestly, though, like you do get inundated with all of this stuff in one. Like uh, that Monday of E3, and I don't think we talked about this in our uh, E3 recap thing. That Monday was ridiculous. Like there was a, a, the Monday with the press conferences and EA and UB had theirs as well, but Apple had the world. Like I, I took a breath and this is me. This is me talking. The guy that's excited about all of this you shit. You can't get enough stuff. I, I, lo a well, I love, bucket. I, I love, every time you know, your bucket's full, new things again. are coming and, and it, there's a lot to be excited about. You wanted world. to bring a place that Monday was home with you. Fucking ridiculous. You were on the flight on the way back. Yes. You're like, I wish I had a PlayStation 4 with of me course. right now. Yeah, of course. I still dreaming about the PlayStation 4 controller, oh but God. all of those announcements 
packed I'm dreaming into, about the PlayStation 4 controller. Packed into one I love you, buddy. day was too much. Yeah, that was then, crazy. But then when you were doing all your judges work and stuff, you're like, there really weren't that many games. I, well, That's I what, know. That was your ultimate takeaway. Well, because we got them Monday all in one day. Monday was overwhelming. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But then looking back, it seemed like you were you're, you were sort of scaling well, it, back your effervescence. There is less of the new stuff for the new generation than I would hope for. You know, it's there's a lot of good stuff coming out for the current gen, but there, you know, we're just getting a little taste of what's to come with with the titles that are going to be launching this year and early next year. Um, you know, I, I still want the tech like anybody that likes video games does too, but it, you know, we're going to wait a while for the new the stuff. Tech. I don't need the Xbox One or the PlayStation 4. All I need is two copies of The Last of Us in case one of them breaks down. Wait, did you hear that? Hey. Someone, someone's at the door. I wonder who that could be. Oh my God, Vic, you would not believe who, who is here. Who is it? Who's, who's here today? It's the guys from Naughty Dog. It's Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley. Come on in, guys. Sit down. Take a seat. Sit, take a seat. Let me clear this spot over here. Holy shit, look at their faces. They've shaved everything off of their faces. They must be done. Yeah, you guys were this crap out of our way. We're gonna sit down here on this. Couch, oh, sorry, this sorry about yeah. that. You guys know about cluttered basements. Yeah, a lot of yeah. them everywhere in the last of us. They have a lot of. They're dark and creepy. It is kind of like one long basement that Joel and Ellie have to go through. The worst right? basement. Yeah, yeah. We always go to basements whenever we're in trouble. If it's a tornado, we go to a basement. If yeah. it's uh, the end of days and there's uh, some pandemic going through uh, human nature, we go to a basement. Hold on, we have to uh, we have to applaud Neil and Bruce right now because uh, yeah, Scott's applauding. That's sound of applause. Uh, Thanks, you guys Scott. actually made. Um, <laughs> You made a sewer in a video game fun again. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell do you do that? Sewers are back. <laughs> sewer renaissance. Listen, we both the level the sewer level. We just we couldn't get the lava in. We tried. You but. tried the. Did you pitch the lava? Yeah, gotta, gotta save something for number two. <laughs> <laughs> lava clickers. There you, you can take that idea. That's free. And space. Awesome. You know what? I think they just announced the sequel. They're on Vic's podcast. Yeah. Who knew it? They just let it slip. Right well, there. we're going to talk sequels. We're going to talk about uh, the, the game's development and, and uh, its reception. Uh, congratulations, know. by the way. The game came out uh, on the 15th, I think. Uh, while we were all at E3, everybody was talking about the game. How does it feel? Lots of good, lots of good reception. Yeah, you guys lots must of good be scores. getting laid all the time. Yeah, E3 is definitely the place to do that. <laughs> hey, I made The Last uh, of Us. No, it, it's awesome. Like, you, you crunch so hard and you're like, you're so close to it. You have no idea. You come out of that and you're like, you hope for the best and the team hopes for the best. And then people connect with it and it's it's rad. It's a really good feeling. It was, yeah, it's, 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 it's beyond our wildest dream, right? I mean, we, know, we never thought it was going to get as well received. Neil and I both thought that this was going to be really polarized really divisive and, and and out there and it's you know of course there are a few people here and there but we know like that's always going to be the case but in general like the majority of people seem to be responding really well and you know digging the pacing digging the characters digging the world we've created and and that's kind of like hats off to naughty dog you know the guys here like killed themselves to do it so now you know yeah. right up front i just want to get this out of the way you know i was not a big fan of uncharted 3 drake's fortune in fact i hung a, a pretty <laughs> i hung a pretty low score on it i felt like it was kind of a series of loosely connected set pieces this game though is really you guys firing on all cylinders this feels so mature and so evolved and i just feel like we really go on a ride from beginning to end we really feel these characters feeling real feelings for each other. We feel everybody growing up and maturing. We feel we're watching this studio. You guys have been around for a long time. We actually did a tribute to you guys on our show, Reviews on the Run, tribute to Naughty Dog and, and your terrific history. And this is the realization of everything you guys have been working towards. This is you guys, from, from my point of view, really growing up and making something so adult and mature. I mean, uh, thanks. thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's I don't know how to take that, but it's uh, it's it's something that Neil and I sitting in a dark room in our own little basement here at the office and, and just kind of kicking around ideas early on three and a half years ago. Um, you know, it's when we we're talking about the story and the world and these characters and we keep talking about the gameplay that it can create and the kind of tension. And we're real fans of the sort of survival genre, you know, in, in comic books and novels and film and so when we were talking about this stuff it really kind of gelled in our brains like 
you know, we've never played anything like this. This is really as simple as it gets. Like even with Uncharted, you know, when we're kicking around those ideas, it's like I've never played anything like that. And that was motivating that game. And and now, um, it, you know, and now it's just a new thing. It's just like, OK, this is something that we felt would be special to us. And we thought it would be really we ruin our own games because we pl- we make the games that we want to play. But then, you know, at least other people get to play them. <laughs> like, well, how did, how glad did you guys like it? Oh yeah, we did. We both gave it tens, and and uh, I think you know so far it's it's my candidate for the best game of the year. And mine too. You know, and frankly, uh, you know, coming out of E three, I think I tweeted this, and you you uh, favorited it or uh, retweeted it, Neil. But uh, I, there was nothing I saw at E three this year that impacted me as much as uh, the Last of Us did at last year's E three. And it was cool to see there was still, you know, a lot of lineups of people wanting to play the game, even though they could go out and buy it on Friday at E3. Which well, and that was the crazy. thing as well, because we're going around, we're supposed to be seeing all this next gen PlayStation 4 and yeah. Xbox One stuff. And all we kept thinking of, because you and I had just finished The, the Last of Us, yep. you know, that was the benchmark for us at E3 was like, well, that, that game's cool, but it's not better than The Last of Us. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to an E3 where I've, I've uh, finished a game that really is a standard bearer for the previous console generation just before we're about to see the new, like the Monday afterwards, we're going to see the next generation kind of up on stage like that. That was a surreal thing for me as a game fan and a game player. I can't imagine what it feels like for you guys, though, to see that reception sort of hitting because critics were, were putting reviews out there a little bit early and it was starting to really hit all throughout that week. I mean, how did you guys feel when you saw next-gen stuff? And I'm sure we're not the only ones to kind of say this comment that you guys delivered a next-gen game now. Uh, next-gen now, man. Next that's gen our, now, yeah. It's our motto. Right? <laughs> <laughs> These guys are clearly uncomfortable with praise. Yes, they are. <laughs> you're you're going you're to have to fucking get used to it. There's going to be a lot of it tonight. <laughs> you know what I think is kind of special in this whole thing is, um, and, and, you know, this was my call on... on uh, how a game like The Last of Us gets made, but it seems like it's because of the partnership that you guys have with Sony. Like they've really been a supporter of you guys from the very beginning. And this was, it felt to me like kind of a risk for the studio to take because this is a crowded genre and you guys have, uh, you know, a a big, huge success with the Uncharted franchise. Can't you just make Uncharted 4? Why do you have to make this? Did you get that from Sony ever? Did you you get them saying, look, there's already a Resident Evil. There's already lots of survival horror games. Walking Dead's all over. Why do we need another thing where we're we're being chased? Uh, The the thing with Sony, which has always been great, is like they leave us alone. They really trust us to do what we want. and there's times where we like, especially towards the end of production, you know, there's moments in the game that are a little hairy that I remember like having conversations where it was like, I'm waiting for some Sony executive to come in and say, you have to cut this out. Right. This cannot ship. This is too, this goes too far. And it never happened. Like I, I can honestly say Sony had our back like every step of the way. It's pretty awesome. We're pretty lucky. I mean, that's really what it comes down to it is like, we're just lucky. And we have the people that Naughty Dog attracts also are so skilled as well. And the fact that Naughty Dog has given Neil and I, you know, Evan and Christoph have given us the ability to, you know, play with these ideas and, and build this team. And then Sony's really just had Naughty Dog's back the whole way, just saying, like, we trust you guys. It's, it's pretty, pretty unprecedented, I think. We're, we don't. It doesn't escape us, you know. That we, we're, we're very humbled and gracious for what we have. It's pretty awesome. You, are, same, you earn that we, luck. Yeah, we've talked between ourselves. It's like, you know, we don't manage the budget. We, we're not running the studio. We have Evan and Christoph for that. So for us, it's like make a great game. And that's the only thing that's ever been driving us is like we don't have to play it safe. You yeah. know, we, we are this opportunity. And it comes with a little bit of responsibility as well. Well, how did you guys, you know, get get through the hurdle of going from a one person team or a one company team uh, sorry, for a one-team company to a two-team company because you guys, you know, have never done this before. You've only ever worked on one project as a, a whole group before, and now you've got two different teams in the studio. Uh, the answer is very clumsily. I mean, there's no, there's no elegant way. No matter how many like plans you have and like graphs and charts that you're trying to like structure, and like we're going to move this person over in January, and this, you know, like. It just, it's the creative process of building a game in and of itself is like, there's no blueprint for fun. Right. You you don't know, you don't know when it's going to hit. You don't know how many different elements need to come together to make that concert like sound beautiful. And Mm -hmm. it's like, 
you know, it's it's a struggle. So you're trying to build this new team at the same time as building a new franchise, new characters and give them voice and have a world with weight. And we're trying to do things that are like out of our own comfort zone. Like we want to play this game, but it's not it's not within like there's a lot of design problems that we had to answer that haven't you know, we haven't had to deal with before. And and so on top of building another team, it was extraordinarily difficult, I would say, um, you know, I think the, the whole team kind of really just kind of, I don't know how else to say it, but they trusted us and they trusted like, okay, this thing, Naughty Dog somehow, like we have a bunch of new people that we have at Naughty Dog and they're like, this is how it works here. Like, I don't, I don't know if this is how it should work. And we just fly by the seat of our pants. It's a little chaotic, but the flat structure, we rely on everybody to kind of pull their own weight and like speak up when things aren't going well. And and we kind of have to retrain and foster that kind of attitude amongst the new players. And, and it's, it's, it's just a, it's just kind of like making a game. It's like iterating, you know, it really is iterating. It, it was an interesting journey. Yeah, it, it, was, it was at the end of Uncharted 2 that Evan and Kristoff, you know, two co-presidents uh, approached uh, Bruce and I and said that they wanted to start another team. So at first it was just me and him just, you know, spitballing different concepts. Do we want to go first person, third person? What kind of story do we want to tell? until we kind of, you know, gravitated towards this idea of building a whole game around a relationship. Mm. Like every decision we base will be, that will be the core of it, whether it stays or, or, or gets cut is that relationship between these two characters. Uh, and then, you know, for a while, while Uncharted 3 was finishing, we had a really small team who were just building prototypes and trying to come up with what we call the macro, which is the kind of the, the outline of the whole game. And then once Uncharted 3 wrapped up, we, we got like a bunch of people to, um, to kind of help us Put the game together that's where really we entered production in full uh, and then towards the end you know we're split right now into two teams um towards the end of the last of us we had we borrowed a bunch of people from the other team to help us finish this game because we made too big of a game and we, <laughs> and we didn't realize it until pretty late in the process and you know that's also when we made the hard decision of pushing the date which we've never done before right now i know how you guys are you developer types you guys uh especially at naughty dog you guys are, are used you're accustomed to over delivering and you'll keep working on a game until they kind of pry it from your hands um were there things were there and i know this is a tough question to answer uh were there things that you wanted to include in the game but you just didn't have time or, or, or had to leave on the cutting room floor mm. maybe it's all there no, there's one I can think of. I guess I can mention it. Like um, the first pitch we had for the story, the outline, there was a dog. That actually, oh, the, the dog. dog. I forgot the dog. about the dog. Yeah. We, we cut that pretty early because yeah. uh, we just realized there's too much stuff here. Yeah, so it would have been and, Joel and Ellie and a dog. Yeah, and one of the programmers just freaked out. <laughs> just, are you kidding me? You're already doing a whole new AI. You're killing the rendering engine. What are you thinking? Yeah. One of the things that surprised me about the game, though, is that it's not just Joel and Ellie, and we probably will delve into a, a few spoilers in this conversation from here on out. So if you haven't played the game yet, now is your time to hit the pause button and go and play the game and then come back and listen to the rest of this. But it, 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 it's not just Joel and Ellie the whole way through. You actually have a lot of other characters, uh, some that you can control and, and uh, definitely a lot that you can interact with. Um, so, I mean, that must have been tricky to kind of plan for. There's absences where you're, you're expecting to, both of those characters to be there and one of them isn't for, for long stretches of time. How much of that stuff is is kind of shaped on the fly, like like you guys have just been describing, or is this something that starts off like a movie script, and then you know that you're going to have to cast somebody that's as good as uh, as Troy and Ashley to be this supporting character for a big chunk of time? I mean, that must have added a tremendous amount of challenge to you guys as well. Uh, there's two, okay, we're definitely going into spoiler territory. Yeah. So uh, there's two things we knew early on. One of which was. Um, the two characters would have these inverse arcs in a way. Mm -hmm. So Joel, more of his humanity would come out, whereas Ellie is kind of getting corrupted, coming, coming of age story for her, that there'll be like this climactic point in which Joel gets incapacitated and Ellie becomes the guardian in story and in gameplay. So we, that, that's one of the first things that we knew about the, the structure of the story. Uh, and the other thing we knew is that we wanted the story to feel very episodic. So as you're going from location to location, you're meeting a whole new cast of characters and those characters reflect back something about that relationship and thereby change the dynamic of Ellie, of Joel and Ellie. Mm. Uh, that's, 
and then everything else was kind of we figured out as we went what what should those characters be what do they represent and that's you know eventually we started with um bill was one of the first one we cast mm -hmm. uh w earl brown uh and he kind of represents you know this idea of this is one way to survive is to live by yourself and he tries to convince joel of that that you shouldn't care for somebody else because you're putting your emotional state at risk kind of looked at bill as like joel's inner dialogue into unto himself like if joel were sort of in this scenario with ellie then he would probably given his background and everything he's gone through would be saying to himself like like what am i doing with this kid yeah like, what am i doing like why am i and bill represents that inner voice so that first sort of feeling that joel has bill is just sort of uh vocalizing it exactly yeah. yeah it's like the manifestation of that yeah i guess you're giving us flavors all the way through the game of the way people would cope different kinds of people and the way that they would cope all the way through yeah and likewise with henry and sam you know that's a reflection almost a mirror image of joel and ellie and then you get to see what happens when you fail. Yeah. It's a, like Joel gets to see firsthand. This is what's going to happen to me if something happens to Ellie. Like our goal with Bills was to try to, I don't know how deep you want to go with this stuff, but we can talk. We never get to talk about this stuff. So we're like, yay. Yeah, like, of course. Spoil the hell out of this thing for everybody. Um, Bills is, is also the, a proving ground for Ellie. Like before, you know, there was Tess around. And so Tess was this strong, capable woman who kind of controlled, you know, in a way, Joel's, Joel's um, goals. Yeah. And yeah. It was well, kind she, of like she, she was bringing him back a little bit. And then and then during Bill's, you know, you're now alone with Ellie, but then you meet Bill and then you're hearing that inner voice. But we wanted to make sure that Ellie really started representing herself there. So we have like the snare right. sequence and she's helping out there. She's the one who finds the truck. Like, so we have a lot of opportunities where we're saying like, OK, Ellie's kind of winning us the player slash Joel over so that when you get to Hunter City and you get in that ambush, that's the first time that you realize like this person's life is actually at jeopardy and stakes are actually high and we're alone and we're it's just going to be Joel and Ellie for a little bit. And we're going to build on that relationship and try to get through these dark scenarios and real and start to rely and trust each other throughout that the, the Pittsburgh area. You know, let's talk about that ambush for just one second. I like to pride myself on uh, the fact that I don't think I can be manipulated by a, a video game, but but that ambush in particular, and I think this is the one you're referring to, is when they're driving towards the guy who is pretending to be injured. Yeah. And I thought he was really injured, and Ellie says, Joel, we need to stop. This guy's hurt. And I just thought, here's another human being. Here's a survivor. I'm with Ellie on this. And Joel says, no. That guy is faking it. I'm like, are you sure, sure, Joel? And all of a sudden, I'm questioning both <laughs> characters. I'm kind of caught between them. I'm, you know, I'm hoping that they're both right and hoping that they're both wrong. And then they get into this wreck. And then as soon as I get out of that car, that, or as soon as I get out of the truck, that's when the game really moves into three dimensions for me. That's when I started, the world really came alive and I started to smell the smoke and the ruin yep. and start, you know, that is when I felt like, let's get out of this truck. These guys are trying to hurt us. I am ready to fuck some people up. I am so angry that they are trying to hurt me. I am going to hurt them back. <laughs> that was the demo that you guys used as well, right? That was a way that you kind of showed off the game. That's that was the first area we built for the game. Yeah, like you know, we usually start um, production in the middle, and then we work kind of in, away from in both directions. Right. Because like the beginning, you don't know what your mechanics are yet, and a lot of it's going to be training. At the end, you want it all to kind of culminate into something, but again, we don't know what the mechanics are. So we work on the middle section for a really long time. And Pittsburgh was that level that we worked from the beginning all the way to the end of production. Yeah, it's wonderful stuff. Now you guys get, you know, some heat for making. Uh, games that feel a lot like movies and people that you know are so pro gameplay, uh, they get a bit pissed off sometimes that they have these exquisite cutscenes to kind of watch. I feel like. Well, I say that. Let's. You say, say that. Other I other say, people I, do I, too. I, my feeling is I don't think games should aspire to be movies, and I don't think movies should aspire to be games. Games I, can do anything. This. This game is one of the few exceptions. Well, I think we need both, and this clearly proves it. I think we need games that just have all kinds of crazy gameplay in lots of different ways, like Katamari Damacy. But I think we also need games with rich characters and rich stories. But when you're conceiving of these things and putting them together, is it... I mean, do you split your team again so that you have, like, the writer section and then you have the like the dreamer type and then you have the actual practical well this is how it would be built sort of working in parallel to kind of achieve an end goal or or i mean does whoever writes it and i'm assuming it's you two guys 
um, say, no, this is what we have to do. Come hell or high water, everybody's staying in here until we get this achieved. Yeah, so I, yes, <laughs> uh, it starts with Bruce and I, uh, Bruce and me. Uh, Bruce is as a game director, right? He's in charge of the gameplay and like the experience on the stick. And uh, my, from my side, it's the writing and the characters. Yep. So we, there is that split, but we have to be in constant communication. So the story is working with gameplay, is working with art, and everything is working in concert. So that when we do have to split, and you know we work with different people, that that message gets sent down, and everybody has to understand that. Sometimes it will be sacrifices to story to accommodate gameplay. And sometimes, you know, we're going to cut stuff from gameplay if it kind of messes with the tone of what we're trying to do with the story. Mm. Yeah, I'll chime in just for me. I don't know. Maybe we speak as Naughty Dog right here, but we've never tried to we've never tried to make a movie like we've, we've used the term cinematic, like a cinematic experience, which I think has a different I don't know. It has a different connotation to me than than movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, because the movie is a very passive and, you know, um, environment. You're sitting there and letting the story and the characters and everything wash over you. In a video game, we know our medium very well. It's an interactive medium. You can't push the story forward without your participation. You know, the player is the one who pushes the story. You know, so even though it's a linear story, just the fact that we never like movies, games, games, movies, who, who you know, like we've never tried to do that. We, we really try to do is make a good story. We, we really try to study storytelling and character and conflict, motivating scenes and flipping scenes and, you know, try, try, trying to just understand how good stories are told in novels and comic books and, and movies and then applying that into our medium and just saying like, okay, how do we make these strong characters and engaging stories so that you want to know, you want to feel like your gameplay is motivated by something. And that's what the other thing is like trying to think about how your mechanics actually relate to the story. Is this a, is this a high moment? Is this a tense moment? Is this a downbeat moment where we have to like build up a relationship and have a conversation and explore? Like, so we're really trying to like examine where these characters are, what this, what the story of these characters wants to do and how that relates to the stick. Like, so it's, it's really Neil and I have to see eye to eye on, on what we're trying to achieve as far as the experience or the moment that we're trying to get with these characters, but try to apply it to our medium, which we think like we do things at Naughty Dog that we don't think that the movie industry can do. Right. Like there's certain feelings and emotions and, and, and a sense of, um, you know, engagement, a, a sense of reward. There's so much more that we get out of this medium that the movies can't give you. And, and I think we, we really try hard to push that. So, you know, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I was just well, at a panel with uh, George Lucas and, and Steven Spielberg. Uh, he's got to talk about this panel well, every I day. Mean, the, pa- gotta... the panel, it was pretty big <laughs> deal for me. Go. But it was. I was just hanging out with George Lucas. And Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me, me, George and Steve were hanging. You know, we were just hanging. Just yeah, hanging. Well, side. I mean, both of them had some disparaging things to say about the uh, ability for story in video games to connect. You know, Lucas is it, it, pretty emphatic that that uh, you know story is never going to be powerful in video games. And Spielberg even said that once you're your your thumbs are on the controller there's a disconnect from the heart and you know i couldn't help but think about the naughty dog games and the last of us which i had just finished and and completely refute that do you think that this is something you know and spielberg's a gamer and, and lucas is invested in, in major studios do you think this is a generational thing do you think this is just a, a somewhat of a disconnect with you know the the full potential of of what video games can realize those guys are idiots. Yeah. They'll yeah. <laughs> never have futures to. in this business. <laughs> no, it's, I, uh, look, for the most part, I think games struggle to tell a good story. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really hard, right? It's, it's hard just to do it in a passive medium like film, but I think it's exponentially harder when you're trying to make it interactive and there's all these ways things can break and take you out of the story. Um, but, but I think if you can pull that, look, we had a bunch of people come up to us at E3 say it's like, it's the best story they experience this year from any medium. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, not not to toot our own horn, but it's like you play that giraffe sequence. Yeah. I don't think that would work as well in, in, in a movie. Right. And I think there's something emotional that you're there experiencing it with this other person that's very unique to our medium. And, and you know, I feel like we just scratched the tip of the iceberg. Well, what's the Scratch. edge? What's the difference? Because a lot of people, a lot of developers want to do that, but they can't seem to 
you know, connect like Naughty Dog has been able to? What's the difference at Naughty Dog? Uh, that's hard to answer, but I mean, there's, there's something about our culture, though, and the way we make games, which is nothing is precious. I think a lot of times you see, like, the separation in, in games, there's a, a really strong separation between the story and the gameplay. And then, like, you're not fully getting invested in either one. Whereas for us, it's like we will throw away, like, the ending, right? We, we've shot and animated a whole other ending that just worked didn't work as well as the one that you end up playing at the end. Right. Uh, and we threw all of it away. Yeah, you used to not play. I mean, it used to be in a cutscene, and, and so we added a whole playable sequence at the end. There's a, I think that's the thing is it, it kind of Neil's touching on is the, um, we're trying to make an interactive, you know, uh, story in a way, you know, like, and we're not talking, click, you know, click, uh, choose your own adventure kind of thing, but it's like, um, yeah, the, the gameplay, we're, we want to use our medium. We want to utilize the fact that it has inter, interactivity here and that the player is a part of this journey. And it, it's, it's maybe the fact that it's Neil and I that get to sort of wrestle it out. And we've had plenty of days where we're wrestling it out, you know, over the course of the game. And we're both very attached to our ideas. We're very attached to trying to make this project good. And, and you know, we butt heads in trying to figure out, like, what do what do we what do we want to do right here and you know sometimes it's a story thing sometimes it's a gameplay thing we got to like somehow like meet in the middle and say okay what are we trying to achieve with these characters with this story and what's the best way to achieve that and and a lot of times i think neil and i both see eye to eye on the fact that if if you don't have to remove control is there a way is the first question is like is there a way that you can do this on the stick mm. and if i could do that on the stick that would be like the preferred way and it doesn't just mean like like the you know like i'm holding the joystick in my hands and all of a sudden the camera sweeps in and the players go out and do all their things that they're supposed to do and they start dialogue you know it's like no how do how am i participating in that moment and can i can i be invested or engaged at that moment and i think that's that's where we start from is like, let's use this medium. And then, and then there's some things that we have to concede, like, okay, you know, every now and then, you know, it's like, shit, I would love to be able to get that on the stick, but one, maybe for production, it's going to be too hard or two, it would just be more effective if the player doesn't have control right here. You know, if there's a super emotional moment and you want to see like the expression on somebody's face and have that tell more of the story than exposition or, or some sort of movement that you're going to do as a player, then, then we'll make that choice if that's what we think is going to help you get the point of what these characters are experiencing across better. Yeah, I, I guess we look at everything as like it's it's another tool that we have. You know, a cinematic is just a tool. It doesn't it like not all the storytelling has to happen in the cinematic, but the cinematic, like Bruce was touching on, lets you cut in close to someone so you could see an expression instead of using dialogue. And then when you pull back out and you're in gameplay, you can imagine that expression again. So it, it lets you kind of not have such on the nose dialogue because you've been in that close intimate moment that you couldn't have done in gameplay and we've had a lot of conversations by the way i mean we, we we've danced around this so many different times and ways of like you know the the more interactivity you give the player you know the kind of the the less effective story you can do but you can make the argument that the the stronger the engagement with the player and the world that they're they're involved in could be you know you could build more of a bond because they right. feel like they're more in control of it so it really it, there's just hard decisions that we have to make as far as like what kind of stories what kind of characters what kind of game we want to make and and you know luckily like you guys were saying like this medium is so open for so many different opportunities for people to push whatever their agenda is with storytelling or gameplay or quirkiness or fun styled games or like whatever they want this this it's a it's a really it's a great medium to just play in you know you know now speaking of decisions you guys made a lot of the right ones obviously in putting this game together and two of my favorite decisions you made is casting troy baker and ashley johnson as the uh, as the leads in the game both do a terrific Absolutely. job and uh, i mean i can't even i've met troy baker and i can't believe that this this that i can't I still can't reconcile him with Joel's appearance in the game. I don't know how that voice comes out of him, and it's so convincing and so credible and so real. Um, but I want to talk to you about something that I call the Ellen Page conundrum. Uh, uh, Ellie looks, her name is very similar to Ellen. She looks a lot like Ellen Page. Ellen Page is in another uh, Sony-produced product called Beyond Two Souls. And I came into work one day, and I said to Vic, 
You know, I love the fact that Troy Baker is holding his own with Ellen Page in this game. <laughs> I'm so lost. I don't know. I can't explain the similarities of where this came from. But if you guys could somehow just go on the record and resolve this for me. And just where, why these similarities? Why are you guys confusing me? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. <laughs> I can tell you when we, when we design characters, you know, we draw from a lot of different people. Uh, and a lot of it is also the person we end up casting that didn't happen initially with Ellie. Uh, so when the first trailer hit and everybody, we didn't see it. As, as, as much as people don't believe us, we didn't see it. And then the trailer hit and everybody saw Ellen Page. Yeah. Uh, and and to, to us, and I guess to me personally, it was embarrassing because we cast a person that did such an amazing job, Ashley Johnson, that I was embarrassed for her. Mm. And, and at, at, at that point, we knew we had to change it. And we changed it as, drast- as much as we could and we draw, we drew even more inspiration from how she looked, um, and we hope that you know eventually people play enough of the game that they just see Ellie, because uh, that's that's all we see. We see we see this character named Ellie, and it was kind of unfortunate for us. And yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, all right, I understand. <laughs> it's it, it's weird timing too, I think, right? Because Ellen Page is is a part of the next presentation right, from six Sony. Six months or a year yeah, in the other you, one direction or the yeah. other, we wouldn't have even thought about it. Probably, yeah, probably yeah. right. But she's so great, and and Troy Baker once again. I want to I want to friend him on Facebook. He's amazing. amazing. Uh, but uh, and and you know he's having the the career of of a lifetime in one year right now. He's in every damn game. But let's talk about I I, I think. I think the, the, the most important element, as great as the acting is, as great as the storytelling is, um, is the in, environment that you guys created for this, this unbelievable experience. The, ga- the game really flourishes and becomes indelible because of the world. Yeah, we talked about this in our review, the way that you guys include all of these details that if you're just running through the game, you're going to miss. Like, I remember seeing a deflated basketball yeah. at one point. Like, who stopped and put this deflated basketball here? It's there. Yeah, tell us about the... I mean, honestly, there are long stretches of time in this game where there, you're not really... You're not in combat. You're, you're sort of having conversations between the characters and you're just... You're just walking. walking. Yeah. And you're just looking around. You know... How much pressure did you guys put on your uh, on your world builders, on your level designers? They hate us. Yeah, <laughs> they just hate us. <laughs> and, and we knew we knew that like pacing pacing was going to be very different in this game. We wanted everything to have more weight, and we wanted to slow everything down just a little bit more. And we, we you know to get that contrast so that when you get in this rhythm that's like exploring and and like checking out sort of the environments, then when some action hits, then that contrast really spikes and you really feel like the impact of that moment. That was one of the, you know, the early goals we had sort of like on the theory craft side, but then in creating the, the environments themselves, you know, when we're talking about the different factions and getting into the backstories of like, well, how would different areas of the, of the U.S. have, you know, been broken down and how would they have survived? How people would have like left areas to like when uh, the outbreak happened and, and we're just kind of kicking around different ideas and trying to slot in different places for that. And, and they kind of, and then we're kind of melding that with the story and the introduction of people like Bill and well, where would, where would, what would town would Bill be in and how would he set up his own traps and how would he kind of control it? And how big does the town, you know, like, and then it, the, the, the environments just started taking on a life of their own. And we really wanted to delve into the backstories of, of how things went wrong and we knew exploration was going to take a big, big part in this thing. So we needed to make sure that all those little nooks and crannies got filled out with stuff that kept you interested so that that exploration didn't feel like, okay, I'm just like Mm. scanning the room for another like item to pick. It's like, you're actually kind of in an environment. We want to make you feel like the juxtaposition of the familiar and the unfamiliar, like excites you a little bit and, and makes you feel something on a level that you wouldn't normally you wouldn't normally feel in a normal game because like everything's just like, Oh, it's just a coffee shop. Well, this coffee shop's overgrown or flooded or, you know, there's not yeah. that cute girl on the counter or something that's going to trigger something because you're used to seeing this in a certain way. And now it's different. Yeah. The environments are telling the story, aren't this they? This is also the second game this year. I'm talking about Bioshock infinite as well. That uses uh, imagery and iconic stuff from the American revolution. There's that whole thing in the beginning where you're going to something like a museum or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, each environment kind of had like uh, three layers of kind of storytelling. There's like what this place was in our time. Right. Then how did it get destroyed? How was it dilapidated? How did nature start reclaiming it? And in a lot of places, like what has happened since then? How soon did someone live here and what was their story? So even like like there's through lines to these narratives. Like when you're in Pittsburgh, there's a through line of the revolt that happened there and you can find the notes and the notes kind of help tell more of the story of what mm, you're seeing in the graffiti. environment. The graffiti, uh, we spent a lot of time like thinking what should be placed on the walls. Yeah, well, it, it's all there. It's all on the screen. And, you you know, as a player, I'm sure we miss a lot of the details and a lot of the stuff that you guys labor over. But, you know, when you soak the whole thing up as as a gamer experiencing it for the first time, you, you see the labor, you know. So please pass on to the other dogs that everything yeah. that they did was... You're just calling them dogs now? That's well, what that's what they call them. Yeah, dogs. <laughs> but, uh, they, they did an outstanding job, for sure. And thank you so much, and, and I'm sure they appreciate it. No, so, they really yeah. did. But the other the other thing where I think you guys really excelled and, and pushed the medium forward um, was in the use of uh, ammunition and the violence in this game. And I said this to Neil, I think, last year when we first met, is, you know, one of the things that I've been hoping for out of video games for a very long time, I mean, bullets just fly and everything, and, and there's never a cost, and there's never a, a sense of what damage just one bullet can do. And, as, you know, I think when you're fighting some of the infected, it's a little bit different than when you're fighting some of the, the human survivors. But you really, we, I don't know if there's another game that really sort of illustrates as effectively the damage that one human being can do to another human being like this game does you know like there's a there's a, like a moment of stillness after everybody that you kill you feel you feel really empty and uh i mean that must have been something that you were trying to achieve with this i mean this is this is an ambiguous uh kind of soul destroying really <laughs> dark experience well the thing we always said to ourselves is like Let's never underplay it because that does the story a disservice. Yeah. You know, like violence is part of this world is what pe these people have to deal with. Uh, and let's never overplay it. Let's not have it gratuitous and just be cool um, and just try to find that middle ground that is just disturbing on its own. And it's like it should feel like someone just surviving by the skin of their teeth. It should always feel like there's a desperation there. Right. And that's what we were going for. So no, no yeah. turret sequences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We could have, we could easily justify that the hunters found some military gear and, like, you know, how to turret defend or something. But it was, it's not so much about that as much as it is like trying to make humans feel like humans. You yeah. know, the human AI, we wanted to try to give it humanity. We wanted it, like, in the conversations <laughs> with each other, you know, and, and we wanted to hopefully get across to the player that there's, I mean, it's subtext. It's all subtext and how you interpret it. But what one of our goals was, was, you know, there's no real good or evil. It's not as cut and dry as just like this antagonist is this big mustache twirling bad guy that's going to chase you to the ends of the earth, you know, for the MacGuffin. It's, it was something else that we wanted to go like, okay, um, people are just trying to survive. Yeah. And you entered their territory and you have supplies that they want or they're fearful that you're going to take supplies that they have. And and so people and it it's people react in very unpredictable ways when when pushed in the corner and and we wanted to we kept the infected around. Actually one time we we discussed, you know, do we even need the infected and would we have a better world without it? And we we found that you needed it because we still needed to apply the pressure to the humans that exist in that world to justify them making the kinds of those decisions, right, to attack you, to defend for themselves, to fend off you from taking their supplies, from like justifying the kind of violence so that they could say like they need to kind of clean house and keep their own people preserved. However many people they have, that's their choice. Right. And that's their way of surviving and the infected help get them there yeah it's funny on previous games you know we would kind of wreck our brains like how quickly can we show the guys you're fighting are bad so it, it feels okay to kill them in this game we took the opposite approach like how can we show that these guys are human yeah so you mm. feel kind of gross mm. killing them yeah and that was important in trying to give gameplay options as much as possible like you know with the stealth with the the ammo that you're talking about the exploration adds a sense of like okay what you can scavenge helps you and you make those decisions of like okay i i found a lot or i didn't find a lot and what did i find and how did i craft and and those those hard choices that you're kind of making helps you kind of get into that survivalist you know those survivalist shoes 
at least that's our hope. I mean, I'm glad that you guys are responding so well to it. And it obviously it, it, you know, thanks. I'm glad that it works. So well, I don't know what else to say. This was a game too that uh, I, I felt really depressed when I was playing it. You know, like I, I was really <laughs> lost in the world. And I, it's really dark and it's really, there's no, the, the glimmers of hope are, are really faint in this game. And like, I, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't mean to make this sound sensationalist or, or you know, overdramatic, but like, how, do you, how did you feel in the depths of, of crunch, you know, when you're putting this stuff together? Because you're talking about, you know, dark characters that, that aren't necessarily good guys or bad guys. How did you feel putting all of this stuff together? And, you know, what's is there a hopeful message coming out of this game in the in the in the story that you're trying to create for everybody? Well, there's three background artists that they still haven't found, and I'm not telling where I get them. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, the, the crime, I'll tell you this um, at E3, my my game of the show was Tearaway. And I think, and, and it's funny talking to Siobhan from, from Media Molecule, she's like, you're exactly where I was at the end of making Little Big Planet because everything's so happy and fun and joking, like everything's so lighthearted. Then she needed to play Dead Space. Yeah. She needed like that contract. And like, I think <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. And, and that's why Tearaway, on top of the fact that it's just an amazing little, like it seems like a really fun playground, but it looks such like so light and I'm like, okay, that's what I need to do right now. It's funny because the game I played the most, I think, at E3 was Disney Infinity. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I it caught myself, I honestly caught myself playing the game and I'm like, Jesus, I just feel terrible right now. I'm, I'm so miserable. Yeah, I need but, to eat candy. Yeah, but I love the game and I love, you know, the escape of it. But God, it's dark and you leave... You know, if we could talk about the ending for a second, you're you're really there's no there's no win. You know, you you really yeah. I mean, I can tell you the original ending um, when when we were planning the story and it was all kind of mapped out was you know Joel was going to lie to Ellie. Ellie fully believes it. She just buys it, and you see them walking towards Tommy's town, um, Jackson, and the camera pulls back, and it's it's this hopeful shot. And as we got closer and closer to the day of, of shooting that, uh, it just didn't feel honest anymore. Like with everything that they've been through, everything that they've gone through together, um, it felt like it needed something more. Uh, and that's kind of where that last conversation between Joel and Ellie was spawned from. Right. And we left it, and you know, it's, it's, it's left open to interpretation. And, and the thing we like is we've heard, you know, people emphatically uh, interpret that ending in different ways, which we think is cool. You know, guys, I really appreciate you coming by. Yeah, this is amazing. This is, I mean, it really truly is to have a conversation about a game that, that affects you like this. I can't imagine a better place in the world to be than, you know, to be in the Naughty Dog office after, you know, looking at these Metacritic scores right. and, and you guys must be on cloud nine right now. But no, this basement's pretty nice. <laughs> it's a good place to talk about this. We game, have some it? parting gifts for you. Well, hold on. I have, we have to ask about this. What's that? Do you want to go back for more? You've survived this. You've succeeded. You've... They've already announced the sequel earlier on the show. Did, did, we, we announced oh, you the did, sequel. right? With the lava, the lava, yeah, lava, lava level. Yeah. We're trying to incorporate government conspiracy and aliens into it. Okay, perfect. That's, oh. that's exactly what the games industry needs. <laughs> do, 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 do you guys want to go back or do you want to do you want to just say one and done of course they want to go back all right well let's oh, let's hear I, it from I, them. I tell you we've we're already right now we're like working on single player dlc you know the first time we're doing single player dlc and there's like a little side story that we think is going to add more to what you've experienced um but you know it's still early days on that okay maybe it's bill's story we'll see that's my guess. Okay. So anyway, awesome. we have a, you guys a, a, a couple of complimentary hustlers yep. you can take with you. Uh, we have a brick of aged cheese for each of you. And we have movie passes to the Great Gatsby 3D. There it is. My mom loved all of those things. She also baked some uh, some chocolate muffins chocolate for you muffins. guys as well. Did, did you guys see, week, uh, just one, one quick last uh, moment, uh, did you guys see Man of Steel? And if so, how did you feel? We actually haven't seen it yet, okay. which, which sucks because it has a, the a, there's a Last of Us ad in front of it. But, yeah, that's uh, right. Oh, I saw yeah. one. Yeah, that's true. But we haven't had a chance. I heard you guys loved it. <laughs> I, well, Vic loved it. I, I had a really great time. Scott, yeah. not so much. Yeah, that's and that's our show pretty much. <laughs> no, I have my own fun and my own other. I, I like my Leonard Cohen albums and, and your great guys, New York Times, and my crosswords. <laughs> His jazz albums. 
Guys, we can't wait for more, uh, and we can't wait to have you back Before on this. Go. Yes. One last round of applause. Yeah, round of applause. Everybody Thanks listening. Again, guys. Really, seriously. Naughty Dog, take a bow. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks so much for having yeah. us in your basement. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> always welcome. The door's always open because the lock's broken. <laughs> You need to clean this place up. Nope, nope. We can't do that. The that shop would, vac is broken. That, that would that yeah. would ruin the ambiance, man. We need this. Yeah. Thank you, Neil and Bruce. You guys are amazing. So long, guys. Thanks, guys. I hope All you right. guys Thanks have so a nice far. long vacation now. We just had two of the dudes that oversaw probably the best game of 2013 into this stink hole of a basement. I know. What the fuck? We have. I know. We, have we got to move? Have, like, honestly. I think we need to, I think we we, need to we upgrade need new, our basement. It's like Animal Crossing. We need a slightly bigger basement. Yeah, do now. we have to go talk to Tom Nook? Tom Nook might be able to lease us. I, I, seriously. A maybe there's a, there's a listener out there that has a nice basement that would let us go. You know and what? Record. This is. F- I, thanks again to Bruce and Neil for yeah. coming in. And, and they both, they're both beardless now. Yeah. I wanted to ask them. Well, if no, needed, Neil's still got his beard. Neil's still got his beard. Yeah. They've, oh, okay. they've trimmed and, and they look a a lot more clean shaven. Do you need a beard to go to work at Naughty Dog? That's uh, no, you need a beard. The same way you need to be able to do imitations you know to be on You know what the beard symbolizes? You're not going home. The beard symbolizes showers mean nothing. We have got to ship this thing. No ladies will like you. <laughs> we don't need women. We're making it, games. You know what it is? It symbolizes there are patient people at home waiting for me, and I love them very symbolizes much. Symbolizes the fact that they have a dog who's very lonely at home. <laughs> they probably haven't seen dogs. in a while. Because oh, no. they're hanging believe, out with their office There dogs. was going to be a dog in The Last of Us. I know. Can you believe that they revealed that? I know. Oh, my God. These that would have been even more tragic. These I, guys were the best. That is, like, honestly, the best game that's bummed me out so much. All right. Well, listen, it's season. Yeah. Can we call this season two of the basement now starting with episode sure, let's go back we'll just to pick number one a, a weird day in the middle of june to call the next season every time we do 50 that's a season is that what it is yeah so we, hit we get two weeks off okay i don't even know how we missed two weeks uh, did we miss two weeks well if we only did basement? 50 shows it feels like we're year. always recording this it feels like we're just in front of microphones all the time do you think we should do this as a daily show i think so uh, what do you guys think i think that would be amazing but how do we do that we talk every day for, for one minute instead of every Friday for 20. <laughs> okay. One minute podcast. Uh, we could. Dude, if we could get uh, Neil and Bruce on every week, we could make it happen every week. Well, listen, we've day. set the bar high we have. for season two. God, those guys are smart. Do. How, do, how, do you, how do you make a game that good, man? What do you, what do you have to do? How do you make something well, and send you know, it out into the world? I, th- I think that you have a studio that's been around for as long as Naughty Dog has been around. Right. I think you have some people who've seen some things and, and made some games and made some mistakes They've and had some successes war. and some failures. Right. They have gone to war. And I think you have people who are working at the height of their creative powers. Yeah. This, is, this is the best they can but do. This, this is, is why, the best they can do. This is why I applaud Sony, man. Like, ah, come on. I mean, honestly. Why are we applauding Sony? Because man? there aren't a lot of other hardware publishers type it's like uh, applauding companies we're applauding sony yeah but they that yes, they've supported naughty dog yeah, they I know, foot I the bill it. man they're they paying the for bill. all that I know. you know and they've kept those people employed and that's what it takes it takes a group of people building a relationship like that over Listen, many many years to be able to go up and reach fight. and stretch like that it is episode 50 all right no more no fighting. fighting okay all right. All right. jesus no fighting can we fight next episode the next whole season two we can fight okay every all right fucking day we'll awesome fight. all right well thanks for listening to vic's basement everybody stitcher you can find us on stitcher you can find us on itunes where you can find us on youtube now i think right only oh, man we just have the one still picture because you know what ass. we're just we're just <laughs> we're just getting started too you will not believe what we have planned for season two you know what we have what, planned for season two? What, what, Dick. We have nothing, yeah, we have nothing planned. planned. we got to plan something. Maybe we should start planning. We're going to blow your minds, we promise. Okay. Boom. We'll plan something. Stitcher. All right. Thanks for listening. Stitcher. Stitcher.